there. I think that's right. Good evening. Hello, hello, hello. How's everyone tonight? Hey, Chandra, how are you? Glad to see you um, tonight. What's up, Jamie? How you doing? What's up, Erica? How are you? What's up, Pooh? How are you, cuz? Hey, Miss Dilworth, how are you doing this evening? What's up, Mr. Wa Brother Washington? How are you guys doing? Glad to see y'all tonight. What's up, Dad? Hope you guys had a great day. I'm doing well. Still got this sling on for a couple more weeks. Then the doc said I can come up out of it. I'm excited about that. Uh, recovery is going well. I am grateful for all your prayers uh, for a good recovery. Everything's going pretty well with, with all of that. So that's good. Let's see. Thank you. As you guys come on, if you guys would tag and share, I would appreciate that. Let me know where you're listening from. Um, let me know where you're listening from. Go ahead and type hashtag live if you're listening live. If you're going to listen to the replay, you can hashtag replay. Thank you, Chandra. I see you tagging people. Let me do a few announcements real quick. On Monday, on Monday, we have Monday Mindset with Pastor Sean on her professional Facebook page uh, called Sean Strickland. Hey, Clarissa, man, you're... Uh, I need to figure out how to uh, do that part. That was a phone call. Uh, so, but your video helped me. I tried to see how I moved my bookcase out of the background. I got I'm kind of limited though with one arm. So I'm going to fix it up and make sure my lighting's right and everything like that. So if you do video, you do anything like that, run over to Clarissa Barnes page and she's doing videos on how to get things right. So, uh, but no, let me get back to the uh, uh, announcements. Monday Mindset, Passion's page. Uh, Sean Strickland on Facebook. Uh, then Tuesday, we have prayer. Wednesday, we're here with Refresh Bible Study. Thursday, we have Ignite, which is our team Bible study uh, via Zoom. So if you guys would like to, your teams to join that, go to focchurch.com. Uh, click VZ Ignite in the uh, menu. And you can access the materials and the Zoom link to join the teams for uh, Bible study on Thursday nights. Uh, and then Sunday, we start Sunday off at 9.30 in the morning with Kristen Valley Worships, uh, both on our church page and her personal page, Kristen Valley Worships. Uh, and then you also have the VZ, which is Victory Zone for our younger kids. Uh, their video comes out every Sunday. There's a new video actually for the month of October. They're all on the webpage but uh, the Bible basic series. So make sure that your kids are tuning into that. Our teachers do a phenomenal job of teaching uh, and catering to the smaller groups uh, ages. So make sure that you're uh, going to our page to look at that. That's Victory Zone. That's on the church page as well, focchurch.com. And then at 10, 
o'clock on Sunday, we have our Sunday celebration with the best pastors in the world, Pastors Edwin and Sean Strickland. And so don't forget, it's Pastors Appreciation Month. If you haven't already done something for your pastors, don't make sure you get that done uh, this month. Uh, if you don't have a lot, give what you can uh, or, or let them know how they're impacted your life. But make sure that you spend some time, some effort, some money this month sowing into your man and woman of God. It's something you should do every month at every opportunity that you have. But specifically, make sure you get it done this month um, for them. All right. So those are our announcements. It's exactly 831. And so I am trying to work on timeliness. Uh, so I can get you guys out in an hour uh, or less. Uh, and so tonight we're just going to go slow and we're going to go over what we need to go over and um, pray that it blesses your life so that uh, we may all grow and produce more of the, uh, and impact the kingdom the way that we should. Amen. All right. So tonight we're going to continue talking about if you haven't already go to focchurch.com, sign up for the podcast, sign up for uh, the Google podcast, go to, uh, Spotify, whatever, but listen to Sunday's message entitled the, uh, gosh, I just went blank. I hate when I do that. The 11 ways you may be, uh, uh, impacted by the spirit of poverty. All right. 11 ways that you may be impacted by the spirit of poverty. Uh, and so what that's what Pastor Sean and Pastor Edwin and talked about on Sunday. They got through six of them. And so tonight, uh, I'm just going to pick up a little bit where they left off. Not where they left off. I'm going to add to what they already done. But they defined the spirit of poverty on Sunday as a demonic force that seeks to rob God's children of provision and abundance. So the spirit of poverty is a demonic force that seeks to rob God's children of provision and abundance. This spirit operates through deception by convincing God's people that poverty is holy and normal. Go ahead and type that out. Poverty is not normal in the kingdom. Poverty is not normal in the kingdom. They said on Sunday that oftentimes it works by presenting opportunities to be discouraged, overwhelmed, inferior, and or embrace a low self-esteem. So that was all Sunday. I am not going to go and recap Sunday's message in its entirety, but I wanted to recap some of it so that you understand where we, where we are tonight, right? And so the six signs that they went over on Sunday, once again, they only went over six of the 11. The six signs they went over on Sunday was number one, a refusal to consistently tithe and give offerings. So if you want to know that you've been impacted by the spirit of poverty, you are not a tither and you don't give offering. That is one of the most obvious ways that you can tell that poverty mindset is impacting you. There's always seemed to be a legitimate reason why you need to tithe next week or why tithing doesn't work. So once you understand what what the kingdom mentality is, the abundance mentality is, the wealth mentality is, you'll understand that it's, I always tithe. The tithe doesn't even belong to me. It belongs to God. And heck, really, if you're honest, I own nothing and God owns everything. So as a believer, you understand that, hey, tithing is something I do. It's something that I get to do. It's an opportunity for me to obey God in my giving. All right. So that was number one. The second thing they talked about was that you know that you may be impacted by the spirit of poverty is a chronic lack. Not those times where you may 
get sucker punched in a finance, something may happen and you get this bill, but every time you turn around, you're constantly in a state of lack. You're, you're always having more month than you're having money. There's always situations occurring in your life. You're never getting ahead. Chronic lack. And they just find chronic as persisting for a long time. Long-term financial struggle struggle is a direct contradiction to what God promises his children. What did God promise us? That we may have life and have that life, what? More abundantly. What did God promise us? To teach us how to get wealth. What did God promise us? That it was his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. What's in the kingdom? Everything that we need, everything that we want, and everything that we can desire according to the will of God. So it's not God's will for us to be in lack. But so refusal to cook tithe and to give tithe and offering, chronic lack. Number three was, you know you've been impacted by the spirit of poverty if you are critical of those who have wealth. The spirit of poverty will lead you to critique people you perceive to be wealthy. You will find yourself judging them. And so, like I said, I'm not going into all of these uh, tonight because I going to talk about what I'm going to talk about, but you need to go listen to Sunday's message. All right. Number four, repeatedly giving away your work or under changing. This one hit home for me. Like uh, as a business owner, you got to be really careful that the poverty mentality doesn't make you decrease your value. Usually we lower our value to something we are comfortable spending ourselves. And so when the spirit of poverty exists in your life, already you probably... You, you, you decrease your self-worth, and so you're out there selling yourself, selling your product, your business, or what you have to offer as a resource to people for less than what it's really worth because you're selling it based on what you feel like you will pay for. But because of your poverty mentality, you're not willing to pay a lot for it because the poverty mentality, we'll find out later, doesn't really believe in investing in mentorship. It doesn't really believe investing in things that could pr promote it. And so if you're selling something or you got something that, that causes people to want to grow, then most time you devalue it because you don't know your value in Christ yourself. Uh, it says the spirit of poverty causes you to devalue yourself by getting you to not understand your worth. Because if you understood your worth, you'll understand that you are worth the life of Christ. What else could compare to that in value? There's nothing else that could compare and value to Christ coming and giving his life so that you may have life, right? There's nothing that compares to that. So that worth in and of itself is the most valuable thing that ever existed on earth. So you have value and you will understand that value when you know that your worth is found in Christ Jesus. Like I got one of my brothers on here, uh, Kedron sells shoes, right? So if he had a pair of Jordans, he may can sell them for $225, depending on the brand, right? But if Jordan had actually worn those shoes, or if Michael Jordan had actually signed those shoes, it changes the worth. Therefore, the value changes. When we understand that we are in Christ, and when we understand that we have been signed by his blood, then when we understand that the punishment of sin is no longer anything that we have to pay for, we understand our worth. Therefore, we feel we feel more value and we won't undersell ourselves. Make that confession. Say, I refuse to undersell myself. I won't undercharge. And here's the other thing that you do by undercharging. You can't attract the customers that you've been uh, called to attract. If you're out here uh, selling something that's, that's worth 
$25 for $10, then you're going to be attracting the wrong audience. So make sure you don't undercharge. Because if God called you to do it, then the customers are already there. You just got to be obedient to him to get there. Number five, you are easily distracted from the doing the right work. This is another one that hit home for me. I read Proverbs 10 and 4, which says, Slackers will know what it means to be poor, while the hard worker becomes wealthy. And then in Proverbs 28, 19, it says, He that tills his own land shall have plenty of bread. And here's what, I, when I was reading that, the Lord talked talk to me about. He that tills his own land. So many times you're so caught up in, in fertilizing, tilling, sowing, and re-sowing in other people's land. You're not in the place that God has called you to be in. You're not in the land that God has called you to be in, but you're doing all of this work and you're and it seems grievous because it is, because you're not obeying God. That scripture says, he that tills his own land shall have plenty of bread, but he that follows after vain pursuits shall have much poverty. So when I do what God desires for me to do, the way that God desires for me to do it, in the arena that God desires for me to do it, that's when I will experience plenty of bread, right? Uh, and so we can't be distracted from doing the right work. All right. And number six was blaming others for your financial state. You just got to own it. I am where I am because of decisions that I've made. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, I mean, if you go to uh, AA, they'll tell you the first thing they have to tell you, you got to own your responsibility. I'm a, My name's Ralph. I'm an alcoholic. You got to own it. My name's Ralph and I, ha I have a poverty mentality but I declare that I'm free in Jesus' name. You got to own the fact that you are where you are, not because you're, it may be partly because you're black. It may be partly because you're a woman. It may be partly because you came from some uh, situation that was really uh, messed up. It may be part of that, right? But it doesn't define who you are, all right? So let's talk about what I wanted to get to tonight, all right? Perfect, 10 minutes uh, recap. Tonight, I would like to continue to talk on poverty. I would like to briefly examine the impact of poverty on our mindset and end with how to overcome a poverty mindset. So our goal tonight is to talk about the impact of poverty. It's going to be real practical, but as, as, as I was going through the message from Sunday, and I'll be honest, I grew up poor. Uh, and I make more money than I've ever made, April and I. And we live really good lives. But I still struggle with some areas of digging up that poverty men mentality because of the way I think. And so tonight, I'm just going to go through some scenarios and some situations that, that help us to identify where our poverty mentality may still exist so that we can uproot that thing and we can begin to live the John 10 and 10 type of life that God desires for us to live. All right. So let's let's get a working definition of poverty for tonight. We're going to define poverty as this a gap between what one needs and the resources available to fulfill those needs. Or in other words, the lack of resources to purchase what you need. So tonight, we're going to talk about poverty as being the lack of resources to purchase what you need. Because you can ha make a lot of money and still be poor. So we got poverty because we got poverty men, we got a poverty mindset and we got poverty defined by national statistics, right? So you got both of those. And so if I ask you what are the needs of humans, real quick, I think it's too delayed, but if I ask you, hey, what are the needs of humans? Most of us are going to define that as what? Food, clothing, and shelter. That's what we're going to define as the, the basic needs of humans. 
All right, but tonight I want to expand on that a little bit using an updated kind of version of Maslow's hierarchy and talk about uh, six human needs. And we're going to talk about how those human needs are, when they are not met, creates this mindset of poverty that then Im impacts your ability to even uh, to think, to rationalize, to make good decisions, to make good choices, all right? So the first thing that you got to have is food, all right? We all know that. The second thing you got to have is water. We all know that. The third thing you got to have is shelter, okay? We require protection from the sun, the weather. The other thing that you got to have is sleep. And this is one of the things that a lot of people don't get a lot of. I, I get onto my brother say it all the time. I'm like, bro, you got to sleep, right? Number five, the other thing that you need is other people. Adults require connection, whether physical or emotional, with other humans to release certain hormones like oxytocin. Human touch is so important that when we are young, our brains don't develop correctly without it. So here we have people who are so caught up in their poverty that they'll begin to defend the fact that, hey, I don't need other people to exist because I'm a loner. No, Maslow said, the Bible even said, because he said it's not good for man to be alone. He created Eve so God, so Adam wouldn't be by itself. You need other people. But what the mindset of poverty will convince you of is that what you experienced growing up with nobody being able to, you've been able to depend on anybody. Nobody being substantial in your life and nobody being there for you. As an adult, you'll begin to convince yourself of your that you don't need anybody. That's just the way I'm wired. I'm a loner because what you're doing is you're beginning to be comfortable. You're comfortable in your poverty because that's a mindset. You need that in your life. But what you'll do, poverty will convince you that you're comfortable the way you are. And number six, I thought was real good. And, and I see this with my kids, which is novelty. It's a state of quality of new, exciting, unusual, or unique experiences. All right. Now I'll go over those again one more time. So the six things that we need, food, water, shelter. Y'all already knew. The other ones that we're adding is sleep, other people and novelty. We need experiences that give us an opportunity both to have success and to experience failure. Why? Because this stimulates dopamine that's released in our brain. And without regular novelty, without these experiences, motivation decrease and a healthy sense of well-being is lost. So you got to have those things. And the things that I realized with my children, they get my, I went on one vacation between the age of of remembering, which is about four or five for me, till the time I left my mama's house. I went on one family vacation. That was the only experience. So when we talked about returning from school in the summer and they talked about what you did all summer, I rode my bike around Prescott. I played with my cousins. I didn't have those stories about going to the beach or or doing or going to Disney or going whatever. But those novelty, those experiences create uh uh, things in our life that causes us to connect with abundance. So like now Aiden was really confused 
by the fact that we didn't go on vacation this summer. Why? Because it's something he's so used to. It has retrained, not even retrained, it has trained him to understand that these are experiences that I should be having. But what happens in a poverty mindset is that then we'll convince ourselves that, oh, vacations aren't that big. Oh, I'm just going to do a staycation. You really don't want to stay at home. Your money is just telling you're going to stay at home. And what has happened is you've gotten so comfortable with that that situation of not being able to go anywhere that you convince yourself that that's all that you need. I just need a weekend away. I'm just going to go and do this. No, what happens is comfort begins to close the doors of opportunities that God wants us to have in the form of abundance. It says the lack of having these needs met is exactly what institutes poverty. This poverty then impacts our mind in ways we may not even understand. The person who doesn't sleep much will defend the fact that I don't need that much sleep. So my brother, and I call out my brother said because he doesn't mind. When I talk to say he's like, man, I don't need that much sleep. Yeah, you do. Science tells you, everybody tells you, you need sleep. You need these things so that your body may respond and, and operate in how? In abundance, at its peak at its apex. And so what happens is what, what fear does, what comfort does, what poverty does is begins to try to convince us that we don't need things that we actually need. The person who grew up without deep connections with others will defend that they don't need people because they're a loner. The person who grew up without much will defend the fact that they don't need much is needed for existence. So I don't need all that to live. I don't I don't need that nice car. I just I just need somewhere to put my lay my head. I just I don't need all that fancy food. Why would you go spend $125 on a steak? Why would you go spend $200 on a pair of jeans? Why? Because the poverty men's Mentality is, once again, what do we talk about? It critiques people. You begin to judge and you begin to find ways to really keep you in the comfort of being pulled. That's what it, that's what it does. So the deception that the spirit of poverty does, it begins to trick you and making it seem normal that being broke is okay, that having more months then you have money is okay. That being uh, depressed is okay. Because we're not just talking about wealth and abundance and money. We're also talking about it in our mind, in our bodies, in our uh, souls. All right, our mind, our will, our imagination, our emotions, and our intellect. It says, as humans, our upbringing and experiences and routines, even if detrimental, become so ingrained within our thinking that we do not want to abandon them, even if they will lead us somewhere better. And I know tonight it's not hooping, it's not this catchy phrases or anything like that, but guys, listen to this. As humans, our upbringing, our experiences, and our routines, even if detrimental, become so ingrained within our thinking that we do not want to abandon them, even if they will lead us to somewhere better. So here's the thing about the spirit of poverty. It desires to hold you captive. So it creates scenarios in your mind that you know being in an abusive relationship isn't good. You know that spending your money that way isn't good. You know that the decisions and the things that you make aren't good. But because they're the things that you're comfortable with, then you don't, you're not willing to change because to change something will require me to confront who I really am. 
him. And so what we try to do is to try to hide our identity. And what we got to realize is that you're always going to be identified with three different identities. Either you're going to identify with the spiritual identity that God gave you. You're going to identify with your self-identity, the one that you have given yourself. Or you're going to identify with the identity that's external, that's given to you by people or the society that's around you. But you're going to always be identifying with something. And so what the spirit of poverty does is tries to get you to identify with self because if self only knew broke growing up, self can only understand broke. And self only experienced that, so that's what he tries to get you to identify with. But what we have to understand is the word of God has been given to us so that we may have, uh, adopt the identity of the mind of Christ so we may understand that we are wealthy, that we are healthy, and that we are whole. So we may be understand that we've been chosen and adopted and that we are king and queens in this earth and that God has given us all things richly to enjoy, right? So we disguise our fear. Listen to this. We disguise our fear in the form of comfort. We disguise our fear in the form of comfort. So many of us disguise our fear in the form of comfort. What we say is this. I, I, I'm not afraid. I'm just happy where I'm at. You lying. I, I, I'm not. I, I, I'm just comfortable. I'm living a good life now. God has really blessed me. But you know he wants you to have more. Because comfort and fear can be seen as two sides of the same coin. Right? You embrace one to avoid the other. So you know what? I'm so afraid about having an abundant mentality. I'm so afraid about having more than enough. I'm so afraid about abundance that I'm just going to be comfortable in lack. I'm just going to be comfortable in being poor. I'm just going to be comfortable in insufficiency. I'm just going to be comfortable in this this okay marriage. I'm just going to be comfortable with this okay health. I'm not going to pursue what I want because I'm afraid to do it because that brings fear. That brings anxiety. So I am going to hide in what I call my comfort. And it's not that you, you really are comfortable. It's really that you're afraid. You embrace one to avoid the other. I embrace the comfort of my known experiences routines and habits to avoid the discomfort of having to learn new one new ones i embrace the comfort of my known experiences my known lack my known poverty my known unhealthiness my known poor relationships my known my known things i embrace those to avoid the discomfort of having to learn new ones a lot of us haven't changed because we're so comfortable being the same and until the pain of being the same outweighs the pain of changing, then you won't ever do anything. You, you, won't, you won't ever do anything. And, and, and people have led us, and see, that's, and we'll talk about how poverty impacts mindset, and we'll talk about mentors, because poor people are amazing. And the fact that they don't want anybody in their business except when they need to borrow. When they, I mean, you come ask me to borrow money and then tell me I don't got the nerves to ask you why. Devil is a lie. You don't have the liberty to request money from me and then give me the parameters in which I'm going to offer it to you. 
Right? That that that's not. But poor people don't want anybody in their business, and poor people are the main ones that need people in their business. Right? But we don't want to be uncomfortable. We the poor people don't want to be challenged in their thinking. The spirit of poverty does not want to be challenged. It wants to sit back, it wants to throw a blanket on top of itself, it wants to be all cozy and just stay the same. Why? Because if I am if I have to change, then that's going to cause me to experience some things I may not have experienced before. It's going to create some anxiety, maybe. It's going to create some discomfort. But the thing about discomfort, discomfort is often a sign of growth. I mean, I remember April telling me as a kid that she used to have growing pains. Like literally, she her body would ache as she grow, grew uh, and things like that. So discomfort isn't, go ahead and type that, discomfort isn't bad. Discomfort isn't a bad thing. What we try to do, we, we, we in our society, we have placed discomfort uh, and we have placed pain, we have placed tribulation, and we have placed hard work in this category of things that we try to avoid for some reason. But if you're going to grow up, if you're going to become, if you're going to mature, you're going to have to get used to being uncomfortable. You're going to have to get used to, to overcoming things. Why? Because that's all a part of what's required to overcome the spirit of poverty. I cannot be, com be, be complacent in my comfort. I, I refuse to do that. I refuse to do that. It says, if we are not careful, comfort and fear will only allow us ever to wander to the closest experience outside of our comfort zone. If we are not careful, comfort and fear will only allow us to wander to the closest experience outside of our comfort zone and never truly experience the abundant life God desires for us to live. I'll say that one more time. If we are not careful, comfort and fear will only allow you to navigate to the borders of your discomfort so that you may only experience a little bit, but not fully experience the abundant life that God desires for us to live. And that's where so many of us are now, that comfort and fear has choked us. Uh, it, ha it, ha it has... It has paralyzed us from moving outside of what we can imagine in our own minds, what we can see with our eyes, what we, we have experienced in our past. Listen, the way that money went in and out of your life as a kid is not how it has to do it, it has to go in and out of your life as an adult. The way that you experience life growing up is doesn't mean it's the same way that you got to experience life now. At any time, the Bible says, Listen, at any time a man see, hears, and understand, he ought to be converted. So as you grow up and become, as you gain more knowledge, then you can change and overcome the spirit of poverty. First Timothy 1 and 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. What is this he's telling us? He says, you don't got to be afraid. Number one, I didn't give you a spirit of fear. That came from the enemy. Number two, I gave you power, which is deutimus, uh, which is the Holy Ghost dwelling on the inside of us. He gave us love and he gave us a sound mind. So in other words, he says, I'm going to give you power. I'm going to give you love and I'm going to give you peace. What does that sound like? There is comfort in doing what God has called you to do. There's comfort in the abundance that God wants us to experience. But what happens is we got to become discomfort, 
comfortable. We got to experience some discomfort in overcoming our thinking and the old ways of doing things. I cannot allow fear to stop me from living my best life. I know I don't want anybody in my business. I know that I feel like I can manage my money on my own, but you 38, you 40, you 50, and you still got more month than you got money. Baby, let somebody help you. Don't let pride, because spirit, once again, how does the spirit of poverty uh, uh, manifest? In a form of pride. Pride says that I don't need anybody else. What did we talk about one of the six needs were? Other people. So poverty will make you think that you can get it done all by yourself. That's poverty's way of keeping you within the comfort of being lonely because in yourself, you don't develop the mindset to, to get out of poverty. You can't. You can't, un, you can't in your flesh overcome what's in the spirit. Poverty is a mindset. It's a spirit that's on your life. So you can't overcome that. You can't outthink it. But what the Holy Ghost, what the spirit, what God's word will do is to break that up, right? It'll tear that up on your behalf. Genesis 50 and 21 says, do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them, spoke kindly to them. That was Joseph talking to his brothers, but he is exhibiting the heart of God. Here the bro Joseph's brothers that came back to him, you know, they had sold Joseph. They did Joseph wrong. And Joseph said, don't be afraid. So even when you fail God, even when you do things that upset God, even no matter the amount of sin that you have ever uh, encountered, no matter the amount of sin you've ever done, God is going to, don't be afraid. I'll provide for you and your family. So we got to understand that there's great comfort in knowing that God will provide for us. And it's the spirit of poverty that tries to get us to think that if you move outside of this comfort, if you move outside of this place that you know, then you're going to go to a place that you'll be forsaken. You're going to go to a place that you'll be on your own. You're going to go to a place that you're going to fail. But baby, you can't fail with God. There's no failure in Christ. There's no failure in the kingdom. The only thing that you can do has been, and, and I wrote it on my refrigerator because God told me that he says, obedience is perfection. Obedience is your way of being perfect because every time I obey God, it is the perfect thing and it produces the perfect harvest. It produces what I need in my life to get to the place that God desires for me to be. Obedience is perfection. And so every time I, and if I'm always perfect, there is no failure. So in obedience, there is no failure because obedience is perfect. Because so every time I obey God, every time I do what he asks me to, I don't got to be afraid of failure. I'm going to always come out on top. Why? Because obedience is perfect. When I obey God, it is perfection. It is the thing that I need in order to produce what God desires for me to have in my life. And so we got to understand that. And so what the spirit of poverty does, it tries to trick us. It tries to connive us. It tries to deceive us into thinking that it doesn't take all that. It does take all that. It takes everything that God has ever asked you to give. Nothing less and nothing more. But it takes everything that God has ever asked of you 
nothing less and nothing more. But in my obedience, I have the ability to operate in perfection so that I'm always able to produce the harvest God has for my life. Every time God asks me to obey, it's an opportunity to produce, to sow the perfect seed, to produce the perfect harvest for, so that I may have the things in my life that my Father desires for me to have. And when I obey God and I understand that it's perfect and it brings harvest, then I understand that I don't got to be afraid. Why? Because there is no fear where there is a great amount of knowledge. And the example I always use, my mama and grandma was so afraid of water because they didn't know how to swim. We were going somewhere and we were close to water. They would yank our collars and, and yank us back. Why? Because their lack of knowledge of how to swim created a sense of fear that kept them from experiencing something that was actually very beneficial for your health, that's actually fun to, to participate in. Why? Because they lacked the knowledge. So many times we will be afraid of things, not because they're to be afraid of, it's because we're simply ignorant of what's required to actually enjoy the thing that we fear. You don't got to fear investing. Investing is something to do. It's the Bible tells us, I mean, investing is something. You sow, your, you give your tithe, you give your offer, you sow your seed. Why? Why? Because I, I'm investing in the kingdom knowing that I'm going to, uh, it's going to produce a harvest, right? So I don't got to be afraid of the same way I'm not afraid of water. Why? Because I have the knowledge and I have skills that if I got in water, I can maneuver. And so fear is usually present in places where ignorance is prevailing. So you're afraid to start the business, number one, because you haven't, you don't have enough knowledge on it. And number two, you don't trust God. But if you trust God, God will teach you what you need to know. He'll tell you what books to read. He'll tell you what people to use as a mentor. He'll tell you what school to go to if schooling is needed. Why? Because where knowledge abounds, fear doesn't. All right. So 1 John 4 and 18, it says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And this is the other thing. I don't got to be afraid because fear is a byproduct of punishment. Why don't I got to be afraid? Because when Christ came and died for us, punishment is something that comes from sin. Christ died for me. He took care of all of the sin and the punishment that sin, sin brings. So if there's no punishment that I can receive, why am I even afraid? It's the spirit of poverty that's deceiving you to think that if you follow God, then you will come up short. There's no coming up short when I follow God. There's no coming up short when, when I choose to obey God. Why? Because obedience is perfection and it always produces the exact thing I need in my life. So what does research say about those who are impacted by poverty? Let's talk about this. All right. When you are impacted by the spirit of poverty or poverty, you are less you 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 have less preventative health care. You're usually late and tardy. You're less productive. You're less attentive as parents. You are poor managers of money and you have decreased cognitive skills. Now, I don't have the time to go through all of those. And so we're going to talk through those as we go. So. As I was reading this, I kind of got offended. I'll be honest with you. Uh, 
about some of this. I'm like, dude, so you're telling me poor people, and, and it, of course, this is statistics, right? This is research. So this doesn't mean everybody, but it, this is what it, it's found. So we already know that the world does not cater to poor people, right? You, you can see that now with, with insurance and the way people are voting and things like that. The world doesn't care about poor people. If the world cared about poor people, there's enough money in the world today to take care of the needs of every human being, right? But do we do it? No, right? right? So the world doesn't care about poor people. Is it, The world isn't going to cater to you as a poor person. Get that through your head. And, and that's what the spirit of poverty will make you think. Oh, people owe me something. You may feel like they owe you something, but they're not obligated to give you anything. And the world is not going to cater to you just because you're poor. Tardiness. That's a poverty mentality. All right. Lack of production. That's a poverty mentality. And, and here's the one that, that, that people ain't going to like. Less attentive as parents. Now, the... Uh, that's good that the spirit of poverty impacts everybody, but it may impact them differently. So a lot of times parents who experience poverty and as an educator, I see this all the time. It's not that you desire to be less attentive as a parent. What happens is poverty decreases. We talk about cognitive skills. Uh, what poverty does is captures so much of your. Let's talk computers. Well, people don't always get computers. Uh, let's talk. A, let's talk a car. Right. I, can, I probably can work through this example. Let's say a car has 100 horsepower, right? And it just needs, it needs 25 horsepower just to be able to maintain, right? So that only leaves me 75 horsepower. So I got 75% of my horsepower left for other things, to make decisions, to cook food, all that. Well, when you're poor, what happens is, it's like taking... Uh, when you're poor, what happens is, I'm not sure how to turn that off. Most of your mindset is so caught up into managing the pieces and juggling things that you're not able to make good decisions about things. And so what made me think is, is it's like, I thought about Pastor Sean thinking feeling cycle. So what happens is, let me read this first. Poor must, the poor must manage sporadic income, juggle expenses, and make difficult trade-offs. This preoccupies the mind and leaves fewer cognitive resources for choice and action. So what's happening is as you're poor, you're juggling all of these things. You got 25% of your horsepower going to just moving your body, right? Just living. Then you got about 70% of your horsepower going to juggling uh, how you're going to pay bills, how are you going to get income? How are you going to, what are you going to, how are you going to rob Peter to pay Paul? That's what, and then now you got 5% of your mental capacity left over and you're trying to parent, you're trying to go to work, you're trying to deal with your marriage, you're trying to deal with your own health. And so, so many times the spirit of poverty sneaks in and deceives people. And what happens is you begin to enter this thinking feeling cycle of, man, I'm a poor thinker. Man, I make horrible decisions. Man, I'm depressed. Man, I'm sad. And you begin to think that thought. Then you begin to feel that way. Depression comes on. Uh, then depression exhibits itself through your body. And then what happens is you begin to feel, think another thought, right? So you begin to be in this cycle of poverty. And, and what people don't, that are po poor doesn't realize, and we, we're all poor in some aspects, and we're all overcoming to experience abundance, is this. 
you're not bad because you have a poor way of thinking. That doesn't make you a bad person. Be, being, being impacted by the spirit of poverty doesn't make you a bad person. So you got, and that's the thing the Lord kept telling me that I would love to have told my grandma and my mom because they thought that they were just horrible. But if you only know what you know, you will only keep doing what you're doing, right? So if you only know how to juggle, how to rob Peter to pay Paul, if that's the only thing you have ever experienced, that'll be the only thing that you can ever output. That doesn't make you a bad person. So just because you you got don't have a lot of money doesn't mean you're a bad person. That means that you need new information so that you can begin to make different decisions. Here's an example I'll give you that made a lot of sense. An air traffic control person, right? All right, if I'm an air traffic controller and I got two planes that's about to collide, but there are 50 planes in the air, air my mental capacity is going to go to the two planes that are about to collide and I may not be able to fully devote my attention to the other 48 planes in the sky. Does that make me a bad person? No, it does not make the air traffic controller a bad person. But what it does is He's trying to take care of what's urgent. But what the spirit of poverty does, it requires all of your cognitive skills to always be caught up in the urgency of juggling how you're going to have food, how you're going to have shelter, how you're going to have water, how you're going to have other people in your life or defend the fact that you don't need anybody because you're a loner. You know, it's going to defend the fact that you don't have to have novelty or experiences that release dopamine. It's going to defend those things, right? And so what I wanted, I know I heard God say, there's so many people out there that are broke. There's so many people out there that don't have a lot and they're blaming themselves for the way that you're living. And what here, you are not how you live, but you can overcome how you live. So because if you don't interrupt the thinking feeling cycle with new information it just keeps repeating itself so that's the deception that pastor Evan and pastor john talked about is to make you believe that this is normal the spirit of poverty tries to normalize itself within households families and communities i can think about my upbringing how how we saw money go in and out of our house and how even as i made more money in my life that how i even though I was making more money, I hadn't abandoned that way of thinking that I grew up on where on Fridays you get to eat out. Why? Because that was the only time of the week that you got paid, so you got to eat out. You, 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 I didn't abandon that way of thinking that said if you got a lot, then you can spend a lot. I didn't, I didn't abandon that way of thinking. And so for some years, even though I was making more money than I had ever made in my life, I wasn't seeing the, the abundance that God wanted me to see because I didn't abandon that way of thinking. So you just can't make, making more money will not make you wealthy. Making more money will not cause you to have abundance if you don't deal with the root of the spirit of poverty that causes your thinking to, to, to be impacted, right? So what time is it? All right. So is that making sense to you? So the enemy uses this to make you feel bad. You're a bad parent. You're a bad person. You mismanaging your funds, blah, blah, blah. However, it is the spirit of poverty 
that impacts your ability to think logically. Now I'm not going. So I'm not saying that everything that happened in your life is all due to the spirit of poverty. Uh, some of it you just made a choice to do, right? Dealer semi-annual sale. You just wanted to go do that. So you can't blame everything on that. But what I do want you to understand is you're not a bad parent. You're doing the best you can with what you have, baby. You, you're not a bad spouse. You're doing the best you can with what you have. But my challenge, my push to you is this. Be willing to let others get involved in your life so they can teach you how to be a better parent, so they can teach you how to better manage your money, so they can teach you how to do a resume to get a better job, so they can teach you how to interview to get a better job, so they can teach you things. And the spirit of poverty is one of the things about the spirit of poverty is that they don't want nobody in their business. But you got to overcome that so that you can understand that I need other people so that I can live the abundant life. Y'all, go ahead and type that. I need other people so that I may experience an abundant life. We ain't designed to do this thing by ourselves. You ain't designed to do this by yourself. All right, so let me talk to you real quick about how the poverty mentality shows up. How does it impact our mindset? So when you think about resourcefulness, right? Poverty mentality says this. It sees a surplus and as an opportunity for consumption and an inflated lifestyle. So here's how it impacts your life. Every time you get more than enough, you see that as a surplus and as an opportunity for consumption. Do not consume your seed because so many times when you have a spirit of poverty or a poverty mentality, anything that's more than enough is consumed and sought after to have an inflated lifestyle. You know what? Man, I got an extra hundred dollars. I'm about to uh, go uh, use this credit to uh, get this new Apple Watch instead of trying to save the money. Why? Because when the spirit of poverty is on your life, anything more than enough is a, it's always needs to be consumed. The spirit of poverty is always consuming. It's always eating away and it's always trying to live a lifestyle above that which it can afford. So that's what the spirit of poverty does. The next one. The spirit of poverty, right? How does it impact our mind? It wants us to exchange hours for dollars. It wants to exchange hours for dollars. Uh, poverty mindset is all about the short-term returns. It's, it's not willing to invest long-term because when you have an abundance mentality, you're willing to spend time, resources, and energy on something that will pay off in the long run, right? The and growing up, you see this all the time, right? You can, you can give like here's a perfect example. One of my one of my boys, Jerome, right? He was morning yard one day, and I told Jerome, I said, Jerome, look, man, uh, I got I give you twenty five dollars today, or I give you this silver coin that's currently worth thirty two dollars, but uh, could probably be worth. 50 to 60 down the road based on the, at that time, the current growth of silver. Uh, and immediately he took the uh, dollars. Why? Because it's what he knew. It's what he identified with. He didn't understand that, hey, I can take payment in the form of an investment so that it may grow and bring me something later. When you're attacked by the spirit of poverty, it impacts your mindset because you 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 lack patience. Poverty mentality lacks patience. It wants what it wants 
when it wants it, and it wants short return. That's why people who uh, are poor, and I'm going to say it this way because it just helps me. People who are poor po in their mind, you want to exchange hours for dollars. Why? Because it's a quick return for your money. You'll be happy going to work for, for five days and getting paid on Friday because that will be the mindset. And I'm not saying everybody who does that has a spirit of poverty. That's not what I'm trying to say. But what I am saying, it is an indication that you have been impacted by the spirit of poverty because you're always wanting to exchange hours for dollars and any resource invested without immediate return is wasteful you see that as wasteful I, I can't take a thousand dollars and invest it and then and then in a year it becomes fifteen hundred dollars I just whether have a thousand dollars now go back to the first thing which is that's more than enough so I'm going to consume it and I'm going to in, live an inflated lifestyle all right the, the another way that the spirit of poverty impacts your uh your mentality is is via risk versus reward a poor mindset immediate thought is what is in it for me why pay money to fly to that conference pay for the hotel spend all the time when they're not even paying you so the what the spirit of poverty does is this it, it deceives you into thinking that it's not worth your while to invest in a coach. It's not worth your while to invest in a mentor. It's not worth your while to invest in a counselor. It's not worth your while to invest in, in a financial advisor. Why? Because you're like, what's in it for me? Why am I paying these people to do something I can do for myself? And that is another indication of the spirit of poverty is that the spirit of poverty always thinks that it can do everything itself instead of understanding that I'm only only capable of so much and I need to pay other people to get things done. I mean, I'm telling you, I grew up in this because Pastor Evan and Pastor Sean, they can attest to this in April show can. I wouldn't spend a dime nearly unless I had three to four different references. I mean, I, it didn't matter what I bought. I wasn't buying, I wasn't paying full price for nothing. I'm looking for coupons. I'm looking for everything. And there's nothing, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but for me, it was a clear indication of a spirit of poverty because I always think that I always needed to deal because if I didn't get the deal, then I'll have to spend more. If I spend more, then I won't have as much. But man, the same God that supplied me with the money to buy it the first time would be the same God that could supply me with the money to buy it the second time. It's the same God that, that, that allows me to buy it for $12. It's the same God that will bless me with the money to buy it for $150. I don't have to go to the clearance rack. I can buy full price. Because the spirit of poverty will always have you going to the back of the store when you can even afford to shop in the front. It'll always, and, and it'll trick you into the comfort of, oh, you just looking for the sale. Now I'm all for a sale, but don't get it twisted and thinking that it's not okay to just to pay full price. Well, I ain't gonna buy that right now. Why not? You got the money. Lord, is it okay to buy this? Yes, Raph, it's okay to buy it. Buy it. But so many times we don't do that because the spirit of poverty uh, causes us to have a mindset that it's not worth it. And I'm telling you now, some of us will always be poor because we won't willing, we're not willing to gain new knowledge. So the spirit of poverty keeps you from investing in yourself. I'm not going to pay, uh, I'm not going to pay $150 to attend a one day conference. So what, what does that go back to? It all spirals together. Why? Why do you have fear again? 
fear is normally prevalent where there is a deep where ignorance is prevalent, right? Fear and ignorant are like like buddies, right? They they they're together, right? Like I I will be I'll be honest with you. I have respect for snakes. I don't like them. I ain't trying to pick up no snakes. But if a person has been trained on how to pick up a snake, they're not afraid to go pick up. A, I can't even identify whether a snake is poisonous or not. I know if they got corny uh, round eyes, it's what not poisonous or slanted eyes. They are. I don't even remember, right? But. I know that, but it's not enough to give me peace. It's not enough to make me feel confident, right? So, but if somebody's been trained and they got knowledge and they got experience, it brings that confidence and that confidence lets them to step out in something and they're comfortable doing that, right? My comfort is in what? Not touching the snake. And so what I do, I allow comfort, not touching the snake and fear of touching it and get bitten to cause me to stay over here. Where if I had the knowledge and I chose to learn things, then I can do exactly what the snake handler does. See, that's what God is trying to do. You can do exactly what Jesus did. You can lay hands on the sick and they recover. You can lay hands on the blind and they see. You can lay hands on the dead and they raise up. You can lay hands on your marriage. The Ezekiel was in the valley of dry bones and God asked Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, "Only God, God only you know. And, and, and he told Ezekiel what to do. And the wind came and the says the meat and the sinews and the cartilage and all those things came back on those bones. Why? Because Ezekiel spoke the word that God told him to speak. And so in your marriage right now, in your kids' lives right now, in your health right now, you don't got to be afraid of something just because it's dead. The dead will live again if God says it can live again. But you got to quit being comfortable in, in, in your ignorance. You got to say, God, how's this going to live? Oh, we got we got to go to counseling. So not only do you want me to have somebody get in my business, now I got to pay a copay for somebody to get in my business. The devil is a lie. But those are the tricks of po the spirit of poverty to keep you broke in your marriage. You won't pay for a book to read to how to be a better parent. You, you won't do it. But you, you always complain about how your kids don't listen. Honestly, your kids are a reflection of you. So the stubbornness, the disobedience, the talking back, the rude, nonchalant, not giving a care about anything, the apathetic attitude, it's only the seeds that you've sown that your kids are now bearing much fruit of. Check yourself. But what spirit of poverty will have you thinking is always blaming other people for your condition even your kids. Now, as a parent, you won't be up, you ain't trying to say that. But yeah, that's the truth. You blaming your kids for the way they behave because you won't look at yourself and, and, and realize that you created that monster. Therefore, you got to kill that monster. You created that. You let him and her get away with that. You let them talk back to you like that. You let them get away after you told them no, they kept doing it and you didn't say anything. Those are the monsters you built. And so what you'll do, then you blame them. You just bad. No, they bad because you bad. Right? So you got to check yourself on that. But the spirit of poverty will make it seem like it's other people's fault. All right? The spirit of poverty thinks this way concerning reputations. All right? The poor mindset believes it can get away with compromising its reputation to make a quick buck. When you have a spirit of poverty on your on your life, you lack character. 
You lack integrity. The spirit of poverty lacks character and integrity. It's willing to compromise its reputation for a quick buck. It's willing to compromise the integrity of character for a quick come up. But what the spirit, what the spirit of abundance says is this. It understands that reputation is everything. Why? Look at Christ. Reputation is everything. Trust and respect are things that are earned slowly. They're fought for. And those are things that can be lost in an instant. So when you understand that, <laughs> I saw you to come with that. They bad because you bad. Uh, when you understand, and let me let me talk to parents real quick. Let me let me preface that. You could be a great parent and still have a kid that don't doesn't listen. All right, but I'm just talking in generalities. For a lot of times, when we see things in our kids, we gotta search our own life. Right? We gotta ask God how to parent these kids instead of just complaining about what they're doing. All right. But when you have a spirit of poverty mindset, you believe you can compromise your reputation, your integrity and your character. Your character, your integrity can never be compromised when you understand that you have a worth and abundance mindset. Right. Because your word is everything. Right. Your word is everything. All right. Here's another one. When you have how do I know how does the uh, poverty impact my mindset? It makes me think that the world is unfair. It makes me think that uh, it makes me think that it's okay to complain about things. It makes me feel like that people owe me something. People don't owe you anything. I mean, I tell my kids that all the time. Like, I love you. I'm your daddy. Uh, but I, I don't owe you anything. Like, I, I'm not indebted to you. And that's, I don't owe you that. Like now what I'm going to do because I'm a good father is that I'm going to provide you the best experience that I can. I'm going to provide you the best house, the best clothing, the best vacation, everything I can. I'm going to give to you because I love you. All right. But I, but we feel like people owe us stuff and we feel like that what's other people's is ours. Uh, that's the other thing I tell my kids. They're like, well, daddy got money. I got money. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. If daddy got money, daddy got money. It ain't your money. But daddy chooses to share it with you because he loves you. Uh, and so what the spirit of poverty does is this. It makes you think that other people owe you something. It makes you think that uh, it's okay to complain about everything. It makes you think that the world is unfair. The world ain't unfair to you. Now, is it true that if you are a minority, if you're a woman, and things like that, that statistically things may not go in your favor? That is absolutely true. But when we're in the kingdom, we understand that, that the facts all the time, those facts, those statistics can be overcome by the truth of the word, right? So the, the, the facts are that it was a great likelihood that I would go to jail, but I ain't never been arrested. The facts are it's a great likelihood based on my family that uh, that all these things could have happened to me, but they didn't. The facts are a whole bunch of things, but what's the truth? The truth is the Lord has set me free. I'm redeemed of the Lord that I am, I am not under a curse, but I am under grace and that grace has covered me and that through the salvation, I have a right to healing and because of my tither, the windows of heaven are open up to me and I have a right to the man from the kingdom things that I need in my life. That's what I have a right to, right? I don't have, I don't feel like anybody owes me anything. But the other thing I understand is that I have to participate in the rescue. So 
when you have an abundance mentality, you understand that preparation meets opportunity. Preparation meets opportunity. So God told you to start the business. He told you to write the business plan. God told you to go to the bank and see what it takes to get a loan. God told you all these things, right? And then all of a sudden, one day, there was an investor showed up that said, man, I got $45,000 I want to invest in a company like that. And you sitting there thinking, that's what God told me to do. But you never wrote the business plan. You never went to the bank. You never got your LLC uh, paperwork. You never got incorporated. Why? Because the spirit of poverty felt like people owe you stuff. And when you have a spirit of poverty, preparation would never meet opportunity and you won't experience success. Why? Because you'll always be running around thinking that somebody owes you something. They don't owe you anything. What you owe yourself is to recognize that I've been attacked by the spirit of poverty. I don't want to think this way anymore and that I want to have a renewed mind so that I can develop new thoughts. Those new thoughts to develop new emotions. My new emotions will create new decision-making skills for me. I'll, I'll make new decisions and because I make new decisions, my actions will look different. Because my actions look different, my character will look different and my characters will create habits that cause my picture of my life to look like something that I want it to look like. That's what we got to realize. But what that the, the spirit of poverty is so de, de, uh, deceiving that it gets you to think that uh, it don't take all of that. The spirit of poverty deludes you into thinking, believing uh, it knows everything. See, that's what the spirit of poverty does. Some of us are poor in our, in our mental health. And the reason that you're poor in your mental health is you won't let anybody else help you. The spirit of poverty is overtaking you to make you think that, you know what? I can do this by myself. You know what? I ain't trying to hear what nobody else got to say. They they probably wrong anyway. How they know how I'm feeling? The spirit of poverty make you think that you out there on your own. I'm the only one experiencing this. Why? Because the spirit of poverty does, believes that it can do everything on its own. Why? Because it knows that you need the six needs. Food, clothing, shelter, others, right? Uh, you need that. And so if it can get you to deny yourself access to other people, then it can get you to deny abundance of a peace of mind. So many of you guys are suffering because you so, your pride won't let you go talk to somebody. And then Lord forbid, you got to pay a copay. You, you, you're willing to buy the vape. You're willing to buy the new shoes. You're willing to buy the new shirt. Summer's coming up and y'all going to be in line at Bed Bath & Beyond or online trying to buy all these candles for your house to smell good and you to be and you be depressed living on the inside of it. The devil should be a lie. He should be. But you're going to buy that candle instead of paying that copay to go see a counselor. There's nothing wrong with therapists. I went to a therapist. I'll tell you what, it feels good to go to a therapist. Have somebody to talk to, tell how you feel, get a different perspective on things, and then walk away feeling so much better. Because sometimes it's other people. Sometimes it's yourself. Sometimes it's just you doubting yourself and you need somebody else to encourage you. You got to understand that you got to be willing to invest in yourself. And it's the spirit of poverty that tells you to consume the money instead of investing the money. What is this $30 copay going to get me anyway? Right? You're not seeing the long-term invest investment of the harvest of a good mindset. You're not seeing it. You're not seeing it. So, so let's, let's, yeah, let's wrap up there.
But you, you got to be willing to, to, to look at that because that's, that's what's going to bring you freedom. That's what's going to set you free. My pages have got all mixed up. But, but ain't nothing wrong with seeing a therapist. Ain't nothing wrong with admitting that you need help. Ain't nothing wrong with asking somebody who, who make more money than you to help you make more money. Ain't nothing wrong with that. And as black people, we're notorious for telling people we don't want nobody in our business. We're notorious for telling people it doesn't take all that. We're notorious for telling people that 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 I can do it on myself. I, I, I don't need anybody else. We're notorious for that. But let's just be honest. You can't. And pride will go before the fall. And the spirit of poverty will deceive you and reflect itself in your life as pride. Because if it can get you to think that you can do this without other people, other people being the Holy Spirit, other people being your pastor, other people being the elders and the deacons in your church, the other people being the mamas and the grandmas in your church, you out there trying to figure out, you, you get $100 a month and you can, you got more month than you got money and you to figure out trying to how to feed your family. When we got people like Sandra K. Graham out there, we got Mud Deer, we got Granny Pat, we got all these women out here who I promise, if I gave Mama saying a hundred dollars a day, she could probably feed feed a family of four for a good two weeks off a hundred dollars, if not more. But you don't want to ask for help, and so the spirit of poverty will have you out there all by yourself. So how do you develop a new way of thinking? I don't want to leave you with all that and not tell you how to develop a new way of thinking. And it'll be real quick. We'll go to Joshua 1, verses 7 through 8. It says, number one, be strong and courageous. You got to be strong and courageous. You got to be willing to say, I am uncomfortable being comfortable in this place. And here's, a, here's the other thing I heard the Lord say. I'm talking about me and I'll just share with you. You overcome the mindset of poverty, but you ain't overcome the mindset of middle class. You you got so comfortable in, in, in middle class. We was like, that was never the destination. And so many times we stop in places that are meant to be temporary. Middle class was only the place I wanted you to go through, not set up camp. It's only the place I wanted you to go through, not build a house. It was only the place I wanted you to go through, not, not to have your family live. You got to go farther than that. That's what I've called you to. It says, be strong and courageous. I know you don't know what having, having to, if you never had another dollar come in your house again after today, but be able to live the rest of your life look like. I know you don't know what that looked like, but be strong and courageous. I know you don't know what it looks like to wake up and have peace of mind. I know you don't know what it looks like to wake up and not have the pain in your body. I know you don't know what it looks like to wake up and your marriage be great. I know you don't know what it looks like to wake up and go to a job that you enjoy. But baby, be strong and good of good carriage. It says, be care number two. Number one, be strong and of good carriage. Number two, be careful to obey the Bible. Be, be careful to obey the word. Be careful to obey the word. He says, be strong and be of good carriage. Be careful to obey the Bible. I'm going to show you what you need to do. I'm going to tell you what you need to do. I'm going to put the people in your life that you need to get you where you need to go. I'm going to provide for you. I just need you to be careful to obey the Bible. All right. Number three, how to develop a new thinking to overcome a poverty mindset. Number three. 
Number three, do not turn from the Bible to the left or the right. So first thing, be strong and courageous. Second thing, obey the Bible. Thirteenth thing, don't add anything to and don't take anything away from what the word says do. Don't add anything. To, if the Lord said go to give $30 tonight in offering, you don't need $29.99 and you don't need $30.01. You do exactly what God has called you to do. If he tells you to go to the therapist across town, it doesn't matter if the therapist closest to your house is convenient. You go across town. Don't add anything to, don't take anything away. God has always given you ways to get you to where he's trying to uh, take you. Well, actually to get you to where he's already taken you, he's trying to get you to retrace your these steps to repeat history. All right. Number four, do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. All right. So I'm strong and courageous. I'm careful to obey the word. I'm not adding anything to and taking anything away from the word. And number four, I am met, I am confessing what the word says. So every situation that arrives, I got a bill in the mail. Thank you, Lord, that you are a supplier of all my need. I thank you that you, you, you quench the fiery darts of the enemy. I thank you that I owe no man nothing but to love him. I thank you, Lord, that you teach me how to get well. I thank you, Lord, that my marriage is whole. I thank you, Lord, that my kids are well. I thank you that no weapon formed against me are prosper. Lord, I thank you that right now in the name of Jesus, I have everything that I need. I have plenty more to put in store. I'm able to give to every good work and charitable donation. I am a distribution center for the uh, kingdom of God. I am always in abundance and I'm never lacking. I'm never lacking in my mind. I'm never lacking in my health. I'm never lacking in my marriage. I'm not lacking as a parent. I declare that I flow in abundance in all areas. Thank you, Lord, for teaching me wisdom, giving me wisdom and understanding for every situation. Why? You let the word come out your mouth, but you can't let come out your mouth what ain't in your heart. Why? Because from the Bible says, the Bible says, from the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. That's why you got to do the last one, which is number five, meditate on the word day and night. He ain't asking you to meditate for his, re his benefit. He's asking you to meditate for your benefit. Because when you meditate on the word of God, you have the ability in those pressed down situations. Like if something happened to me today, right? If something happened and I was walking through, if Ava was crying at night, and I went over there to get her and I stubbed my toe on the, one of our bar chairs. I wouldn't cuss. Why? Because cuss ain't in me. All right. Now, what I probably would say is, dang, or something like that, because that's what's in me. And what we will, what you will find out is this. You can look at your life. You can look at prayer. Uh, hey, hey, Rachel, I see that you said you need prayer. If you will send us a message or uh, send me a message via uh uh, Facebook or Fellowship Champions of Message, we're more than happy to pray with you. Uh, uh, but what when you're pressed, what's in you will come out of you, right? That's what's going to come out of you. And a lot of times when we face situations financially, either to reveal whether you have a spirit of poverty, then because it will be how you react that will identify where you are. Like I said, there are three things you're going to identify with. You're going to either identify with the spirit, you're going to identify with the self you think you are, or you're going to identify with the self that others think you are. At every moment of your life, you are identifying either with the spirit, with yourself, or with other people. And so what the spirit does, the identity of the spirit is abundance, is wealth, is more than enough. All right? The, uh, uh, 
the identity of yourself is likely your upbringing, how you saw money and things operate. And the identity of others is the society and the environment that's a worker in your life. And so what you got to do is this. You got to spend more time meditating on the identity in which Christ has given you so that you can experience that part in your life. All right. And we'll sum up with this. Your life reflects the picture painted in your mind. So if you don't like the way your life looks, paint a new picture in your mind. Gather new information that will help you generate a new picture. The thoughts that you believe will begin to be spoken. Once spoken and believed, they will be acted upon. The continual implementation of acted upon thoughts will create new character and new habits. This will produce a new picture on the inside of your mind that will cause the outside to replicate what's already been completed on the inside. So how change your thinking, change your life. So if you're tired of what the your external picture looks like, change the internal picture in your mind. Amen. So you guys be blessed. That's the word for the night. That's the word for the night. Rachel, make sure you send inboxes so we can pray with you. Um, so that's the word for the night. I pray that it blessed you. Um, it really has been blessing me, guys. And I encourage you. You got all the time in the day. Dude, go back and listen to Pastor Sean and Pastor Edwin teach on uh, uh, from Sunday. Go back and listen to that. They only talked about six of the 11. Go back and listen to it again. Ask God. God revealed to me where I still think I still have a spirit of poverty in my mindset. Reveal to me. I'll send you my notes, uh, Mika. Reveal to me. Uh, where my poverty men are. Because I can tell you right now, the Lord talked to me clearly. I got to overcome this middle class mindset. I, I, I kind of built a house in a place that I would call to pitch a tent, you know, and I'm tearing that house down because God has so much more for me. So, uh, uh, so we need to get there. How do you listen to the sermons from Sunday? Uh, I, I'll post it out here, but we have a podcast uh, and iTunes, Google Play Store, and Spotify. You can go to any of those places, uh, Fellowship of Champions, Edwin and Sean Strickland, and uh, you can uh, subscribe to our podcast, and they'll come to your phone every every week. Uh, I do have to upload Monday, Wednesdays. I do, I'm do. i doing a poor job of that. Uh, I don't always upload those, but I'll start doing that to our podcast as well. Uh, so, guys, be blessed. Announcements. Uh, Monday Mindset, 12 o'clock noon on Monday, Sean Strickland page. Prayer, Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Bible study again here next week. Uh, and next week, there will be a change a change in time. I am changing the time to 8 p.m. Uh, uh, so I think that'll be a better time. Uh, if that'll work for you guys, just say yes, 8 p.m. works. Uh, I'll look in the comments. But I want to change the time to 8 p.m. Uh, a little earlier. Um, then Thursdays, you have Ignite. Go to flcchurch.com. Uh, click it, VZ Ignite. Your teens can join our Ignite group. Uh, Sundays, you got worship at 930 at Christian Valley Worships. You got Victory Zone lessons on our Facebook page. And then you got Sunday Celebration on our Facebook page as well. As in several other spots, uh, Twitch, Instagram, different places like that. But if you haven't already, subscribe to uh, our podcast. Go like and follow Fellowship of Champions Church on Facebook. That's where you get all the alerts, right? So look like we'll be at 8 p.m. next week. I'll do a flyer to change the time. 
Uh, so I think that'll help people because, man, I'll be sleepy too myself uh, at 9.30. Uh, so all the announcements are on the Fellowship of Champions page. You guys be blessed. Uh, the Lord leads you to sow into the uh, word tonight. Uh, go to focchurch.com. You give an offering. If he led you to sow into me, you can do so by doing dollar sign Ralph Marlowe, R-A-F-M-A-R-L-O-W. And lastly, guys, if you haven't already, purchase the book. Uh, and I'll, got, I got the greatest testimony ever. Uh, and those who got off, they can get off. Uh, but purchase the book, Good Enough Isn't, uh, at RalphMarlow.com. But let me give you this testimony. So let me tell you how you, you don't need to minimize yourself. Uh, talking about myself has been one of the hardest things ever when it, it comes to like advertising, marketing, talking about the stuff I do. Uh, it's just not something I did well. Uh, and so the Lord really was dealing with me. And he's like, publish this book and, and, and get people, get it out there. So I was like, okay, God, I'll do it. And so, uh, what a lot of people don't know is that that book has been written probably for almost a decade. Now I went back and updated some things and stuff, but I sat on that for about 10 years and the Lord was like, Raph, you really need to get this out. So I, I did it. I, I obey God. Don't let it take you 10 years to do what God told you to do. Uh, that's not, that's, that's free. Uh, but somebody inboxed me the other day and they were like, I want to tell you how your book has blessed me. Me and my husband, uh, I was on my way to probably get a divorce. Divorce. And uh, I brought your book and I started reading it. And then my husband just grabbed it and started reading it. And uh, after reading it, uh, these last few weeks, this last week or so, it's been the best week that we've had. She said, uh, it, was a, it was a wife, she said, uh, uh, my husband is the husband I fell in love with. And I was just, and I, I just kind of teared up and I cried because I was just like, look, I wasn't out trying to, I'm not out trying to make money off this book. If it makes money, great. You know, I wanted to make money because I don't want, I mean, God provided and it paid for itself before I even got copies made. But that's what it's about. I mean, think about it. It was just a simple act of obedience for me that, that has helped somebody marriage. And I've had several testimonies. Don't minimize yourself thinking that what you got to say isn't important. If God has asked you to do it, it's important to the world. And, and that's, that, there's no better way to end than that. If God has asked you to do it, it's important to the world. So look, this little old book that was been written that's out, man, it, it's saving marriages, man. How awesome is that? And, and it's just simply because I chose to obey God. It's all God. And God is looking for people like you that's willing to say, you know what, God? What you're asking me to do is bigger than myself. And what you're asking me to do is designed to impact the word. God, I choose to obey you. Because some of y'all got words. God has told you to give the people. He's told you to start things. He's told you to write things. He's told you to create things. Don't minimize where you are. Don't minimize what you think it is. Don't let the identity of other people or the identity of yourself stop you from believing the identity of God and doing what God has told you to do. Why? Because it is when a man tills in his own land, it will provide bread for you. So find yourself obeying God, find yourself tilling in your own land, and find yourself harvesting the, the bread that you need to both feed your family and to feed others in this world. I love you. Have a great night. See you guys on Sunday. Be blessed.